<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. So turn up your Walkman, loosen that scrunchie and get ready to talk 80s with your host, Lindsay Parker. Hi, I'm Lindsay Parker from Yahoo Entertainment and Sirius XM Volume, and this is Totally 80s. Before we get started, I've got to remind you to follow us at Totally 80s on Facebook and Instagram and to visit our website at totally80s.com for tons of news and stories about your favorite decade. And if you love our podcast as much as we love you, you'll give us a nice review and subscribe. Now, today I am joined by the one and only... John Hughes. Not, not that John Hughes. Not that one. The other John Hughes. Yes. And also today we have a special guest. It's the co-founder of great bands like Founds of Wayne, Ivy, and Tinted Windows, and so much more, as well as an Oscar and Emmy-nominated composer for movies, musicals, and TV shows, Adam Schlesinger. Yay! Hi, Adam. I do my own applause. <sighs> Good. That's why you work in the films, because you've got to have those sound effects. So, I Adam, up, I know- I came up through the sound design department. <laughs> Adam, I know that I- we just met, but I'm going to put you on the spot by asking you uh, an intimate question. Oh, Jesus. I want to talk to you about your first time. Your first time, that is, when you saw MTV. I think anyone who's a child of the 80s and a fan of 80s music, MTV was probably the way they got. I can't even impress upon people who weren't there how important MTV was. I want my MTV. It changed my life. I think it probably changed your both lives. So do you have a memory of when you first saw MTV and what your impression was and what the video was? Because I can very much like people remembering when John Lennon was shot or when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. I can absolutely remember my first MTV moment. Wow. I mean, what what year did they go on the air? It went on in 81. I got it in late 82. And were you in New Jersey? I was in, yeah, I was. New Jersey I, was one of the first to yeah, get it. So you, yeah, we, I mean, I, I, it was huge for me, obviously it was huge. I don't know if I remember the exact first time I discovered it, but I just remember spending an awful lot of time watching it um, and, uh, and just really loving it. And, it. and it actually stayed really important for me all the way through the point where my own bands were making videos. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, even at that point, which was in the you know, mid to late nineties, like right. getting a video on MTV at all was like the prize. So it was, it was really important in my world, that from, re- you know, from the time I was starting to pl- learn to play instruments all the way to actually working as a musician. Well, that reminds me because one of the most important video artists for me of the early MTV era was Duran Duran. Can we talk about your Mexican wine video in which you <laughs> yes. recreated the Rio yacht scene, even with like the slash graphics? That's like one of the best moments of 90s MTV for me or 2000s MTV, I should say. Oh, thanks. Um, well, I, I mean, in retrospect, that video was probably a bit of a mistake because we... <laughs> We had had this big hit right before that, Stacy's mom, and and so everyone was like, "Oh, you know, now you can do whatever you want with a video because so was, you know." <laughs> so you're like, like "We're going to give it rec- a shot." So we're, we're like, "Oh, we want to be on a boat, of course. We want a helicopter, get a yacht." Yeah, I mean, it was Caribbean. really it was kind of that. Like, what's the most over the top, ridiculous thing we could do? And the director was our friend Chris Applebaum, who had done Stacy's mom, and in Stacy's mom, there's you know a lot of references to. 80s stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just sort of a continuation of that mindset. There's also like a wall of voodoo shot in the yeah. Mexican wine video with the face coming through the beans. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that, at the time, that just seemed really novel to like rip off these things that we love from. Were you jealous that 80s? Jody Porter got to play the John Taylor part? I was about to say, who, who were you? <laughs> he looks a little more like it than I do, unfortunately, <laughs> I have to admit.
were you? Which Duran were you? I don't know if I was assigned. I don't think you were. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. If you that, didn't even get to be specific. Andy. Not even Andy. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, no one gets to be Andy. Yeah. Andy. The thing that was really cool for me about um, early MTV. Well, one of the many things that were really cool was that um, they didn't have that many videos at the beginning. So these bands that weren't really that big a deal seemed like a big deal for a second to me, and, yeah. and I assume everyone knows them now. Like. Like the producers, the <laughs> producers. <laughs> you know, wow. They play that video a lot. Burning sensations, belly of the whale. Was the producers <laughs> one of the first videos ever played? I mean, it was definitely in that early period. Uh, either what's he got or she Sheila. what the first top 10 videos were once and actually before YouTube existed and it was very easy mm-hmm. to access this stuff do you uh, the Paley Center the museum mm-hmm. Center for Visual Media in Beverly Hills you used to be able to go there and like check out like you went into like a little kiosk, like a library and you put headphones on and you sat in front of a monitor and you could watch like old things. I would watch like all of Get a Life and things wow. like that. Oh, nice. And I watched the whole entire first hour of MTV, which now you can totally see on YouTube. And yeah, it was like, compl- I mean, just the fact that the Buggles video killed the radio star, which will forever be a trivia answer right. because it was the first video. And it was Russell Mackay, who's an amazing director. But that video looks like it cost $10. Right. It's weird. It looks like it was made in like a school lab. <laughs> and it's great. And it's I mean, so many of those early videos look like they cost zero dollars. I mean, people right. make infinitely more sophisticated stuff on their iPhone now or whatever. And speaking yeah. of which, what was the second music video? You better run. Which was her singing in an alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she made that specifically. Uh, I, If you've seen the one, uh, this is Pat Benatar for those who didn't yeah. get my singing on, because I don't exactly sound like Pat. I uh, don't quite have her uh, multi-octave range. But she was the second one. And people were like, hey, videos are happening. You should right. do one. Everyone's like, what's a video? So she did one, but she didn't want to do one. Her and Neil Geraldo didn't want to do one. So she said in the uh, movie, I Want My MTV, the documentary that came out, which shameless plug I am in. um, But she is interviewed for it as well. And she said she didn't want to do the video. So that kind of like anger where she's staring at the camera like, fuck you, (laughs) is actually real. She's like looking at the director like, why am I doing this? uh, Why are you making me stand in an alley lip syncing to my song? I mean, it's kind of analogous to like how the Beatles thought that like the stereo mixes weren't important. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, it's like these artists, they, they didn't think the video was like their focus. So they just like gave it to somebody. Yeah, whatever. It's like that, you know, uh, our lips are sealed. There's just, they don't have enough footage. Yeah. So they keep showing the same thing oh, really? over and over. Yeah, yeah. Like there's just this shot of them driving through the city yeah. and then they, then they use it again yeah. and they use it again. It's like, they just, they didn't bother even like shooting three minutes worth of stuff. Have you seen, uh, when we're talking about videos that look cheap, have you seen the video for I ran by flock of seagulls, which is oh, like yeah. in a mirrored room that looks like Classic. a dressing room at like Fiorucci or something. I love it. Well, have you ever noticed um, there's a tripod like smack dab in the middle of it. And of course, as I'm, it's a mirrored wall thing, and it's like a spinning situation. So there was, I guess the director, whoever it was, couldn't figure out a way to edit the tripod out of the shot (laughs) because it was, would show in the mirror. So it's just completely wrapped in Reynolds wrap. I look at. It's, it's, the it's wrapped in tinfoil, literally. I can't stop looking at the tripod. It looks like just a pile of Reynolds wrap in the Uh, middle of the shot uh, for no reason because they're like, that'll work. That'll do. Like even now, the best videos are the ones that are, it's just the idea is cool and they, and they cost nothing. I mean, yeah, there's this charm, this charm. Yeah. And it's like it is kind of a weird, silly art form. I mean, you can do mm-hmm. something really expensive and cool, but if you can yeah. do something that costs zero dollars and is cool, that's even better. Well, well, John. Yes. I know you a little better, so I feel comfortable asking you oh, this question. Shoot me. Can you tell me about your first time? I can. And it's a funny story, I hope. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it will be. We moved in 1983 from the country to uh not so country. It wasn't a big city, but it was like, you know, they had cable mm-hmm. and we were not allowed to have cable because it was evil. Southern Baptist household. Um, you might see Footloose right. on the Z channel and exactly. all hell, all hell some scrambled video or something, <laughs> you know. And so there was a cable outlet 
by the TV and because the prior house owners had cable and I had an Atari 2600 and it had the little switcher box. You <laughs> screw it in. Oh, clever. And I thought, what happens if it's the same kind of coax cable? What happens if I screw it into the Atari and I switch it? Science. And we got the first. This is the most 80s story yeah, of all time. We got the first 13 <laughs> channels this of cable. This seems like something yeah. out of like Back to the Future, like right. Christopher yeah. Lloyd, like exactly. lightning strikes. MTV. <laughs> exactly. And so we got the first 13 channels, you know, because you flip the the wow, switcher. How enterprising and, of you. And that made my parents go, wow, this is actually kind of cool. And they sprung for basic cable, but we were not allowed to watch MTV. I don't. Parents, uh, yeah. parents have to work. Bye. Okay. So all, all six kids are huddled in front of the MTV. Uh, and the eighties when there was no such thing as parental control. Exactly. Yet. And it was all we wanted to do. And I don't remember the first video I ever saw. I just remember lots of Rod Stewart, lots of Pat Benatar, mm-hmm. but every once in a while, this new band that was really strange. It was two guys and the one guy was singing outside of a window looking at a pond really sad. Cheers for Fears? Cheers for Fears, Mad World. Obsessed. Oh, I yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Was right. doing the the cool dancing. Yes, Roland's doing his weird arm he's, thing. He's yeah. very underrated as a dancer. Him and Cy Kernan from the Fix. They did that sort of like yeah. angular arm thing. Right. This is a podcast, so no one can see that. I'm flailing <laughs> yes. my arms around. But that, like, oh, and also like David Byrne did that with the same as another right. one. Yeah. There's a lot of angular arm well, dancing well, in the it 80s. Was, it was it was like art. And it was. Be what about the Billy Squire one that oh, the one ruined his career? <laughs> Rock Me Tonight? Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting. Before we talk about what ruined his career, I'll talk about one of his career highlights. As I interviewed. I love Billy Squire, by the way. I do too. Yeah. I, mean, I, really but I, I interviewed Martha Quinn, who I aspired to be. And the greatest, literally the greatest moment in my career was when I interviewed her. And I said to her, when I was growing up, I wanted to grow up to be you or to be like you. And she said, well, Lindsay. You did, didn't you? Look mm. at what you do for a living. You did. And I'm like, <laughs> start crying. <laughs> was, I was like, oh, my God, I've made it. But she told me in this interview, because it was for one of the anniversaries uh, of MTV, like 35th anniversary of MTV. Uh, I asked her what her favorite moments were. And her all time favorite moment of MTV was Christmas is the time to say I love you. Christmas sing along with Billy Squire, because it was like, I believe, the first year of MTV. And it still had that kind of clubhouse right. basement feel of scrappy people not exactly knowing what they're doing that they somehow gave a show to and all of the cast got together in their Santa hats and sang with Billy Squire and it was it's still one of my favorite Christmas songs but then just about three or four years later it all went horribly wrong I know uh but before we get down that depressing <laughs> hole of the death of, death of MTV. You want to know what my first MTV was? I want to know what yours was. You want to know about my first time, yes. John? your first time. Let's well, uh, it's interesting. A really great. Uh, I would actually call it a viral campaign before that was a word. The, and it's in that documentary was the whole I want my MTV thing. Right. Turn it on. Leave it on. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. Turn it on. Leave it on. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. What? A lot of, as we mentioned, a lot of the cable companies did not have MTV. New Jersey was one of the first ones. New York didn't even have it. That's why, like, mm-hmm. they had to have the viewing party for the opening of MTV in New Jersey. And right. all the people from New York had to go over there. So a lot, they were like, MTV was failing, basically, because a lot of people couldn't have it. So they started having, using their connections to do these uh, ads that would run on other cable channels of people like David Bowie mm-hmm. and Mick Jagger and Pete Townsend and all these, like, classic rock guys saying, pick up and call your cable operator and say, I want your, my MTV and the cable companies were besieged by calls and deluged by calls and eventually it worked. It completely right. worked. So I was seeing those ads and I was going to my mom like, can you call a cable operator? Can <laughs> I want MTV? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get around to it. I'm like, mom, have you called the cable <laughs> operator yet? You know, David Bowie, Mick Jagger said you should. <laughs> but then one day I came up from school and my mom's like, you know, we, we actually have MTV. <gasps> it's like channel like 
200 oh, or whatever, however no. far cable boxes went up then. But it's like way, it's like the UHF section. Right. I'm like, I've had it this whole, it was like Wizard of Oz. You had the power the whole time. Can <laughs> you? So I was like, are you kidding me? So I, you know, we only had cable in one room then because now cable is like right. kind of a standard thing. But back then you had to pay for it each TV. It was in the living room. Different that was boxes, it. Yeah. And my parents had it in their bedroom so they could watch, you know, movies. Oh, and so, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this, no, it's not like that. So, you know, they, they basically were like, well, if we can only have it in one room, we're going to have it in the room where we can, if we want to watch movies, right. in bed, we can. Because yeah. that's mainly what people use cable for them was to watch HBO or right. Showtime, Showtime or Showtime After Dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Skinamax. <laughs> Jinx. Oh, we all owe each other a Coke. Yep. So I went into my parents' bedroom and went on and there was a flickering flame, an up close of a flame against the black background. Now, when you told me the Mad World scene, mm-hmm. you described it in like four words right. and I knew what you meant. Flickering flame, mm. black I, it, background. I melt with you? Yes. Yeah, it's oh, got to be right. yeah, it was, exactly. I melt with you. It's gotta be. I was thinking we belong with the candles. No, it's a little bit later. A little bit, little more lo-fi than yeah. that. Thing, one flame, not one, candles. The right. thing about this the wasn't I, a, uh, wrapped around your fingers, just one flame. Right. <laughs> Budget for only one candle. The thing about the I melt with you video, again, talking about how I just focus on the tripod for Iran. Uh, Robbie McIntosh, the singer, has a big open scab on his forearm. <laughs> oh my God. And every time he lifts his arm up, I see it. And then it's some like the director or someone must have said, hey, you got to cover. Your arm down. And he starts singing like this. And I'm holding my forearm with my I'll other hand. I'll never unsee that again. Wa- go on YouTube, watch the video. Oh they couldn't even spring for some like concealer or edit it out <laughs> we don't need to Fix see a bl- your bloody scab Robbie somehow I, I guess I was just so fascinated by the exotic Britishness of it all I missed the yeah. scab oh, the, the, the guitarist with the swooping lot of, white hair a lot though. of ruffled shirts yeah a lot of new romantic stuff but um, to your point, Adam, it was all these weird videos. Yeah, there were established stars like the Rod Stewart's. Mm-hmm. Pat Benatar was already a big star by yeah. 80, 82, 83. But there were all these weird British artists because a lot of the more of the British bands were making videos then because they couldn't necessarily afford to tour. Right. So if they wanted to be on like American Bandstand or Solid Gold or whatever, instead of flying out to lip sync, to they just did a video and sent it over. Yep. Um, so... There was a glut of these British videos, and we will talk more about Duran Duran, who actually did have a budget and took it to another level. But there were all these like cheap ass videos by mm. modern English. But I just thought like, wow, this is a really cool world. Like I'm too young to go to clubs. I'm too young to um, go to England. Right. But this is where it's at. So I was one of the few kids at my school at that time to have MTV, or at least the other ones hadn't figured out they already had it at channel 100, 200. <laughs> so they were all coming over to my house for like a glorious, like three month period of my life. I was popular. Cause I'd come to school and be like, Hey, you heard about this band called Blamange? <laughs> They're and from England. It was hypnotic too, because you you were like, okay, I'm going to sit here because I know maybe the next video is going to be, uh, I don't know, uh, Buggles, I am a camera. I said, please. Did they actually play that one? Oh, yeah. They used oh, to play interesting. that. Uh, or, or, you know, Yes, Leave It, which is one of my favorite videos. I because love that. All like 18, That's a scary video. All 18 all versions 18 of versions it. Do you have a favorite one? The one where one of them is upside down? <laughs> no. Instead of three of my them? My favorite one is the uh, final, the final, and I'm using air quotes here, final edit version. Where they like swoop around. Where they're swooping around and, and doing all that. And remember how we yeah. thought those special effects were like really cool? Amazing. It was basically flying toasters, but with the members of Yes. <laughs> exactly. But we're all like, whoa. <laughs> That's a great f- song. It's such a not a yes song. No, it's just but like the owner. I think they splurged their whole budget on owner of a lonely right. heart, which was directed by Storm Thurgison, I believe, yeah, yeah. if I'm pronouncing yeah. that right. So they only were like, well, we don't have any more budget left. So right. stand against this white screen and we'll like make you swoop around. <laughs> then they get but to uh, it can happen. The third single. It's I like, do not remember that one at all. one camera. You guys go sing in front of this wall. I like, so, I like that song, too, though. I, I like did that too. whole yes record. <laughs> you reach. It can happen to you. So I got popular for a brief moment in time because I had this hipster taste and I had MTV at my house and people could watch. And we were just in my parents' bedroom all the time because, I mean, I ate my dinner in there, ate my breakfast in there, did my homework in there until one day for my 13th birthday, 
my parents gave themselves a present. They're like, hey, Lindsay, happy birthday. We got you cable in your room. <laughs> Get out. Get the hell out of our room. <laughs> so then I pretty much didn't live in my room for like five years. And I actually very vividly remember, again, like I can't impress. Uh, and I think a lot of people, both of you probably, how much this changed our lives is I very vividly remember my old childhood friend from elementary school who I hadn't seen, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we were going to different junior highs now. So like we hadn't had a falling out or anything. We just sort of grown apart, you know, and she came over for a sleepover. And all I wanted to do was hang out in my room and watch MTV. And the squeeze video for black coffee in bed came in and she's like, there's a stain on my notebook. What kind of <laughs> lyric is that? And then the white wedding video came on a video that I'm sure your family, John would oh, not have approved. of. No, that, mm-hmm. There was a lunging for the cable box. When <laughs> by, came by Billy Idol, obviously. Yes. And she's like, you like this? This is scary. This is gross. And I was like, get out of my house. <laughs> like, we are friends. <laughs> Of the friendship. I mean, we, I didn't literally do that, but like, I remember actually, I do remember very vividly saying in my mind, like, me and this girl don't have anything in common anymore. My whole world is MTV now. And if she doesn't think this is cool, like, we don't have anything to talk about. All I want to do is watch Billy Idol and Squeeze right. videos, and she doesn't get it. And it really changed things. About 84 is when. It, for me, my musical taste, the glory days ended because Def Leppard hit. Hey. Yeah, sorry. Hey, I know. Hey. I know. This podcast is, this friend, this is over. Get <laughs> this out is of my over. house. Get out. Get out of my house. Because, well, you know, you went from seeing, again, like Burning Sensations, Belly of the Whale five times a day. But to, photographed by Def Leppard and, and like bringing on the heartache and like the high and dry stuff, that was concurrent with all of the new wave stuff. Oh, for sure. Photograph is one of the first videos I saw I mean, on at MTV. at that point, they were a huge force in the, and even musically it had spread way out, hasn't I mean, I feel like... Uh, oh, yeah, but yeah, when, they, you're, when you... So at that point, everybody was making videos and, and spending money on making videos. And, and that was the problem. And there were video departments at labels and, right. you know... It was no longer the 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 playground of the new wave right. uh, obscure artists now. But see, I think it was concurrent because um, we talked about some of the older artists like Rod Stewart and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of kind of older rock artists like ZZ Top being the ultimate example, right. but also like Billy Joel and Rod Stewart and mm-hmm. uh, kind of figured out, hey, we should pay attention yeah. to this. Yeah. And we should it, think about this a little bit. And did it right. And Def Leppard, I mean, they were an 80s band, but they predated MTV by a bit and they got on board pretty early on too. Yeah. And I actually, I mean, I guess you're not a fan, but I would actually say they were quite pioneering in the hard rock genre oh, of video. Huge fan now. But they started I'm, the trend of the metal bands that have the, what do you call that, clapping board? Like, you know, <laughs> to start the shot oh, with the, the digital the slate, yeah, the the slate. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone had to have a slate. Like, okay, <laughs> we're making our video. We're backstage. Here's some um, road cases. <laughs> all right. like behind yeah. the scene. Well, I'm envisioning Sweet Child of Mine when you say all that. Right. The whole, like, let's look at what a video is really I'd like. I'd like to do a super the, cut of slates. The whole scrolling film, like, in your... Yeah. Beep, beep. There yeah. was also a whole conceit as videos started to get... Uh, bigger there it's a really reoccurring theme the idea of like someone being told this is what your video is going to be like and the artist rolling their eyes and going this is lame oh, yeah. like oh sherry oh, by sherry, right. Right. Steve yeah. Perry. Yeah. man i just want to sing my song yeah i don't want well it's interesting <laughs> it was, it was though because, the older artists that were fighting against it yeah. though and they would fight against it in the context of the video but that's interesting yeah. because there were some older artists that didn't transition well zz top did uh tom petty did billy joel did elton john absolutely did with right. the epic I'm, I'm still, still standing. standing. Yeah. You knew where I was going, I which sure. is actually recreated in the Rocketman video. And I've never smiled. Have you not seen the Rocketman movie? I have to movie? see that. Oh, I'm sorry. They recreate uh, the entire video. Oh, that's the I've best. never smiled so hard in my life. That video is the campiest thing ever, even by 80s standards. Right. But there were video people like the Queen were definitely ones that yeah. embraced it. Well, David like Bowie kind of. I think even before videos, he understood that he can't just be a guy that plays piano and sings. No, like, yeah. So he's, he's like, very got to wear a yeah. suit and, or something. And David Bowie, of course, sort yeah. of started yeah. it all. But like... Who are some of the artists that tried? We talked about it. And in Journey, podcast. I actually would think had a problem with it because if we've all seen separate ways, that <laughs> that didn't go so well. What do you mean that didn't go so well? I think that went perfectly. <laughs> that chain reactions, my favorite. Playing Journey invisible video. instruments. <laughs> Yeah. Um, That's been recreated recently by, uh, you know, that band um, Escort. 
they oh, recreated yeah. it shot for shot this year. It's the video oh, of 2019 for me. But yes, that's um, like what Paul Rudd recreation. Of yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's like that sort yeah. of thing. Dead or alive. But who are the artists that um, sort of didn't get on board? I think Yes was a band, not so much with Leave It, but with right. Owner of a Lonely Heart that got on board. And then there were others like Alan Parsons Project trying to do. Well, Don't the, Answer the, Me was Don't all right. Answer Me was cool. And even Primetime, which is I'm going real deep here with the mannequins that come to life. Actually, a top four. That wasn't hit. a tube song? No, pri- there was Primetime Tubes, okay. but the, the, yeah, the tubes seem yeah. really huge to me. Yeah, in she's early a MTV. beauty. Was, they were all, they were like, yeah. you, you would think they were the Rolling Stones or something if you watched MTV. Like, oh, the Tubes have a new song. But uh, <laughs> Steve Miller Band, a casualty of the video age. Um, with um, well, maybe Abracadabra after, after Abracadabra, kind of which looked like it cost less than the Iran Flock of Seagulls right. video. But then you have Bongo Bongo, which we've, we've talked, talked about. In oh, Fire but Podcast. this brings us back to something we touched about. Can we talk about the Billy Squire Rock Me Tonight? This would be the perfect <laughs> entree point to talk about that. I think I read that he, it was just one of those things where, you know, he's there and he doesn't want to be difficult. And like the director's mm. telling him do this and the director's a choreographer. And just Chris, says, Kenny know, Ortega. Was well, it Kenny Ortega? Kenny okay, Ortega. So, yeah, I mean. Well, I thought, about, was it Kenny Ortega that directed or choreographed that great choreography? <laughs> yeah, that arm flapping. I know it's a Kenny out. Ortega production. I don't know what I, I mean, I can always say like having been in bands and stuff, you, you do get put in this situation a lot where right. you go somewhere and obviously somebody has set up a whole thing and they ask you to do something that feels really wrong. And you don't want to be an asshole. You know, you, well, well, can I say that on this yeah. podcast? Let's and, talk about that, though. Your first video. But actually, sounds radiation vibe, oh, horrible disaster, you know, and like I wanted to throw with it in the all garbage. the Twilight Zone swirls. I mean, it was like we were looking at reels of directors and that guy, Who had was dire- it? his name was Clark Eddie, and he had made this sublime video, which was kind of fun and mm-hmm. summary. And we we're like, oh, fun and summary. That would work for us. Right. And then he had this idea. And like we we didn't even know what like a video treatment meant. So nobody really read it. You know, we we're like, <laughs> all right, something about the Twilight Zone. We don't really we didn't, we didn't pay that much attention because we we're kind of like. He knows what he's doing. He's on MTV. And we got there and like the whole thing just felt really wrong. And and we did it. And I think, you know, the video was not. I don't right. remember it being a bad video. I mean, it's fine. But like if it had, if that was a period where if, if it had been a great video, if it had been like Buddy Holly, Buddy Holly Weezer or something right. like, you know, well, it, 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 it would have had a different it career. It didn't destroy because, your career like Rock Me Tonight uh, allegedly destroyed Billy Squires. I think Billy Squire, what he should have done is he should have done the Oh Sherry style video where like Kenny Ortega and people are like, okay, so here's the deal. You're going to be in a penthouse loft. You're going to be wearing this pink shirt. You're going to be writhing on some sand sheets, crawling on the floor. And he goes, screw this. I'm a rocker. I'm not going to do this. And he, you know, the director slate slaps and he leaves and then he does a straight ahead, like, you know, stroke, the stroke style, like right. concert video. And yeah, he's like, of course. But instead he, you know, basically what we see in those kind of like fake uh, videos, like Oh Sherry, actually happened in real life to him but uh, i at there's the time, one there's one verb for that video for his actions flouncing, flouncing. <laughs> he's flouncing on a he's mattress flouncing a bit, he's flouncing across the floor but i think but, I mean, like, it could have gone either way because you know he was obviously a big zeppelin fan and like yeah robert plant was kind of a flouncy guy in his own way he was like always had his shirt <laughs> oh on. my god yeah. but it was different it was a more macho flounce when we talk about videos though that we had to sit <laughs> macho flounce. when we talk flounce. about videos though that we sat around waiting for like the video we wanted to come up i remember every time robert plant's big, big log came log. on oh i wanted to god. die i, uh, I would yeah. get the that razors. video was a big log it felt I like i love it, that song now which is weird i don't and i also <sighs> just double checked in that video the song i took this he recently runs out of gas that's the entire video the whole video though <laughs> the whole song is like maybe three and a half minutes it felt like it was oh, an 11 an minute eternity. song i was like please kill me yeah. i can't deal with this Just like as a general thing for early MTV for me, and I think it's really hard for like kids now to even comprehend this, but the biggest thing was when you were a kid living in the suburbs or wherever you were growing up, like you didn't have any information because there was no social media. There, right. there wasn't really much press. 
like if you knew who a band was, you would maybe had seen like two pictures of them or something. Cause mm-hmm. even the pictures were like, there wasn't that much available. Mm-hmm. And so just the fact that you would have some information, like you were saying you knew these British acts that your friends didn't know them. And that made you cool. Just the information mm-hmm. made you cool. And then the other thing was that there was just this sense, like now it's all about, you know, pop stars are like posting what they had for lunch and, mm-hmm. and showing themselves in the bathroom mirror. But back then it was like, they lived on another planet. And yeah. the only way you could see them in motion was on MTV, unless you got to go to a concert by them. Right. And it was, I, I just couldn't, especially as a kid who was like starting to think about being a musician himself. Like it just felt like, Oh, well they live in some other dimension of mm-hmm. coolness that like, I can't even like, how would I ever be that? Like they come from another country and they have weird accents and they dress in these crazy clothes and wear makeup. And like, it, it just seems so like unreachable and alien. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know? it, it, that kind of image is what killed things like Boston yep. and Kansas. Right. To, to, to my point. Yeah. yeah to my point, the ones who either, refused to get on board with MTV because they thought it was shallow or a passing fad or the ones that tried and failed because they just didn't have the image or the looks or, you know, the, the artistic. Um, But I do want to say, because we were talking about the Billy Squire thing, the bands there, it came a point in MTV where you had to have dancers in your video, Mm -hmm. even Pat Benatar, who we just mentioned, whose second video was just her standing in an alley pissed off by Love is a Battlefield. She had, you know, Bob <laughs> yeah, Giraldi. She had all the, this is the Michael Jackson effect. She had the same director, I believe it was Bob Giraldi, mm-hmm. that did beat it by Michael Jackson, Do Love is a Battlefield. That's probably where things went wrong for Billy Squire because he was basically probably being advised. You, you got to compete. You got to compete. You got to get Kenny Ortega. You got to dance. But there He's were like, other- but do I have to be the dancer? Yeah. That's, well, <laughs> do Pat I have ben- to flounce? Pat Benatar did a bit of dancing in, uh, uh, passable dancing in uh, Love is Battlefield. Uh, Stevie Nicks, someone who made a, and Fleetwood Mac, of course, in, both of them made great transitions to MTV. Gypsy's one of the best videos, and that's Russell Mackay, by the yeah. way, also. Um, but, you know, she had Stand Back with Dancers. It became like a thing where like, and this was also because of, um, which we talked about in our movie podcast, Footloose and right. Flashdance. It was like dancing was the thing. And uh, there were some artists that just weren't, it wasn't going to work with them. It was just funny, though. You mentioned Stevie Nicks because she dipped her toe into the dancing thing with Stan Beck, which, by the way, has one of the funniest visuals uh, of that early MTV era of her on the treadmill, just kind of like stomping with her arms. Oh, yeah. It's like, what's, who told her this but was a good But she always had great wind machines. Great wind machine. But then you get to the video for I Can't Wait, where it's like, OK, here's a huge staircase <laughs> and you've got this coordinated thing where she's spinning around. It's, it's nuts. I keep mentioning Russell Mackay, who did um, a lot of the Duran Duran videos, but he did like a whole bunch of other videos. He did actually White Wedding. He did Young Turks mm-hmm. by uh, by Rod, Rod Stewart. He did Gypsy by um, he actually did the Bogles video Killed the Radio Star. Yeah. Did Could he really? We, yes. Wow. He's my one of my favorite directors, certainly of that time. He did Total Eclipse of the Heart he, with all oh, the like, wow. you know, zombie eye children. You might be the only other person in the universe that might know what I'm talking about okay. here. Okay. So, okay. so everybody else tune out. Uh, no, keep listening. And learn all things. those early videos. That's how to create a successful <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah, I know. I'm right on no, it. Keep listening and learn. Did you, did he direct Vienna by Ultravox? I feel like he did. Okay. I there, don't know off the top of my head, but my gut is telling me yes. Ice House, Hey Little Girl. He did like and, everything. And, right. So he was, a, there is a guy and he did, uh, the, he does the Teen Wolf show now. He did Highlander. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was a guy in all these early eighties, videos it's a bald white guy middle age with gray hair gray beard and glasses and he pops up as an extra like in every other video in those is times is he in the i'm still standing video because russell mckay directed that too i don't like know I said, he's a him? Is. no i don't think it's him oh, but okay. for but some you reason think it's probably like a guy this a director. guy's like zalig he's like uh, there he is again he's in this video he's rob schneider for, he's for, in <laughs> saved by zero in the party scene, he's in uh, Vienna by Ultravox. He's in Hey Little Girl by Ice House, like I said. Hmm. And there's just, uh, he's in uh, one of the Duran Duran videos. I forget Then it's which. probably Russell then. And I'm like, this. Because all the Duran Duran videos back then were either Russell or they were Godly and Cream. This guy who was an extra must have hustled like a mofo to get as him. much work as he could in like a three year span. Well, since we <laughs> talked about some of the older artists that either transitioned 
well or not so well. Let's talk. And we also talked about the videos that were super low budget. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since we're talking about Duran Duran, um, as when as often happens when I'm (laughs) when I'm on the mic. um, Let's talk about some of the real pioneering artists of the early MTV era. Obviously, Duran Duran are a perfect place to start. Yeah, uh, right from the jump, right? Planet Earth. Planet Earth. Girls, on, Girls film. on Film. Girls on Film. Girls on Film was not done by Russell Mackay. That was done. Godling Cream. Godling right? Cream, mm-hmm. who, by the way, directed probably my favorite video of the entire 80s, which is Rocket by Herbie Hancock. Speaking of people, yes. that older artist that transitioned, well, mm-hmm. God, that video is. You watch it now and it still looks like it's the future. Cool. And yeah. it probably was kind of cheap to make. It, these aren't like, you know, digital, you know, digitally enhanced and robots. These were, are like they were vacuum cleaners with legs. Art pieces that already yeah. existed. They, they they found this guy. And oh, the, really? Yeah. I did so not know that. They didn't have to build it from scratch. Oh, this guy did these art installations. But Godling Cream did that. And he, they did Cry, which was one of the first videos nice. that had morphine Morphing. in it. Yeah. Not morphine the drug. Morphine. ING. <laughs> uh, it might have had morphine in it. I don't I'm know. sure. But they did Girls on Film. Of course, the version that was on MTV wasn't the real version, but right. uh, it's funny talking about like it was Reagan. on Showtime between movies. Was it? At was it night. on Skinner Max? They would play it, play the yeah. uncut. Not that I knew. Well, the funny story I have talking about rigging things up is um, when we first got a VCR for Christmas, the family Christmas right. gift. My dad, you know, back then putting a VCR together back then in the day with it, you know, you had to pretty much have a, a engineering degree, <laughs> master's degree from MIT to do it. And he spent like all day trying to hook it up to again, they put it in their bedroom because mm-hmm. they figure, you know, if we're going to have one. So I was back in the bedroom watching videos. But um, finally, he hooked it up. He's like, OK, does anyone have a VHS tape that <laughs> we can play? And of course, I had the Duran Duran anthology because right. I'd already gotten it. The video 45 or the I think it was thing. called Dancing on the Valentine. That's the video 45. No, no, yeah. it was the one that had all the videos. OK. Even the ones that MTV didn't show, like right. Night Lonely Boat, Your Nightmare, Lonely Your Nightmare yeah, My right. Own Way. That was the, the first album. And I was really album. excited. I'd already played it at a friend's house. So that's a key point of the story. Mm-hmm. The video was in the middle. Right. It wasn't at the beginning. And my oh. dad's like, can you, you know, give me a, that Duran Duran tip <laughs> so we can test to see if the VCR is hooked up properly. So I hand it and it's like in the middle of Girls on Film, like in the middle of like the whipped cream wrestling. <laughs> like, the candy pillow cane fight. pillow fight and then and you my, were sent to reform school no my, my mom is like what my mom is like what the hell is this softcore porn what is this I'm like oh it's it's the uncut Duran Duran video my mom's like what's the hell is this my dad's like well hold on a minute let's make sure let's make sure the VCR let's is give working it a let's give it a couple minutes let's try to fix the tracking just, just make sure everything is okay that's great so you're welcome dad But yeah, that was a video that was mythic because unless you had Skinamax right. or Showtime or you had the the VHS, you know, YouTube didn't it's exist. Like blurred lines now. Yeah, it's like right. same strategy. It's, it's like the Sex Dwarf video by yeah. Tim Pope, another amazing director, did all the Cure videos. But the Sex Dwarf video, I didn't get to see until like three years they ago had, by Soft Cell. They had little video shows on Cinemax, like you know, uh, videos after dark, and yeah. they would play the uncensored girls on film, and they would play things like uh, Berlin Sex, which you. Never saw it in TV, but they would play it on that. SSQ, Screaming in My Pillow. I remember that being like a naughty video. You know, nice. Or Stacey Q. So, wait, um, Stacey Q. Like she Q was in a parts. band called SSQ. She was in SSQ. And it was like, oh, yeah. That was the same Stacey, Stacey Q? Q. yeah. So, obviously, Russell Mackay and Godly and Cream uh, and Duran Duran. Duran Duran, I think, were the first newer artists that really sort of got it. That, like, I mean, they were really smarter. Whoever it spanned was. Out. Spandau. Spandau Ballet, uh, before Pre-True. Musclebound. Musclebound. Brussel did that video. <laughs> did um, he? he? did that and, and Instinction, I believe. But there was also a sort of Mad Max thread going through all these videos, yeah. particularly with the later Duran Duran videos, all the Very Seven the Ragged Tiger. futures. Yeah. yeah. I was more into when they were looking pretty and hanging out on yeah. yachts, uh, inspiring future mm-hmm. bands like Founds of Wayne. <laughs> um, but what are some other uh, iconic- Like Culture, like, culture Club was mm-hmm. like, yeah. when did that, when was the first Culture Club? 82, 83. Cool. Yeah. Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? Um, the, and that was- that was a moment. Yeah, where that was went. Julian Temple, by the way. Yeah. I really like to talk about the directors because I don't think they get as much credit. Everyone remembers Duran Duran, right. but no one remember and Video Killed the Radio Star, mm-hmm. but people don't. No, it was a big deal when they started listing the directors, mm-hmm. which happened yeah, much later. That much later, later. But the yeah. directors started 
finally getting acknowledged that's important. But right. Julian Temple, he did some of the videos I've written down that he did that were really important to early MTV. He did The Kinks Come Dancing, Stray Cats Start and Rock This Town by oh. Stray Cats. Culture Club, Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? He did Dexys Midnight Runners, Come On Eileen, which mm-hmm. absolutely made that band a one-hit wonder because even back then they looked, they were kind of like the 80s Mumford and Sons. Like everyone right. else was playing <laughs> right. guitars and synths and they were like in overalls playing like washboards and jugs <laughs> and like, you know, also, it's so, Songs that speed up used to really confuse me. I'm like, this song's speeding up. You're not allowed to do that. Pick your tempo and stay don't, there. Don't forget Julian Temple also did dance. He did a lot of mini movies. He did uh, The Dancing for Blue Jean by David Bowie and oh, yeah. Man. Trap. Man Trap by, by ABC. ABC. Who did um, the safety dance video? That was uh, Russ, funny. You should ask. Yeah. It was Russell yeah, McCoy. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean. No, wait. Did, was it? I, I wrote I, it down. I believe it was. Um, the, the funny thing about Men Without Hats. Okay. So safety dance is a no, huge No, it was Tim Pope Tim who Pope. did all the Cure videos. Yeah. Okay. Just looked it up. He And that makes sense because all of Tim Pope's videos were very like kind of quirky and he, weird because the he Cure. Loved a, he loved a dwarf. Well, it's so. <laughs> he would always yeah. throw a dwarf in. It's yeah. he, sex dwarf. There's a line yeah. on the exactly. budget. Exactly. But it's so weird dwarf because model. people think of the Cure as being a very dark band. But if you think of all the Tim Pope videos, like love Why Cats. Can't I Be You and Love Cats, yeah. they're all actually kind of wacky and yeah. fun. Even Let's Go to Bed is a really strange, wacky right. Just Which is the one with the off. camera that's on the on the rope. Oh, in between days, and that oh, yeah. was also yeah, Tim Pope. That's great. That's a, Tim that's Pope a, pretty that's much a perfect example of making a great video for no money. Right. Tim, like, simple idea. Tim Pope did pretty much every video the Cure did from "Let's Go to Bed." That was the first one. I just recently interviewed Tim Pope because he yeah. did that um, Cure uh, concert movie. So. Okay. I went and based, I did one of those things where I'm like, okay, how long do you have? Because I pretty much want to talk to you about every Cure video you ever did. Right. And he started with Let's Go to Bed and he did all of them through Wrong Number, which was like 1991. And he did actually say they they put the, the camera not just on a rope for in between days, but they also put it in a shopping cart yeah. or a trolley, as he said, <laughs> and just pushed, you know, just pushed oh, it and funny. let it go. where it's all like kind of like motion sickness mm-hmm. inducing and got them uh, singing in a wardrobe and going over a cliff into the sea yeah, close Lil, to me Lil told her uh, hair caught on fire during that scene because like the camera was so close like it cu- touched his hair wow. and burned off some of his hair yeah there were um, you know that was again an example of maybe not having a lot of money but a lot of creativity innovation and no rules no record label basically saying no a video has to look this way one of their early videos was one of my first MTV memories and that is the video for the cure the wall Oh, yeah, that was Tim Pope as well. Yeah, Tim Pope. Again, no money. It's Robert and Lowell standing in a kiddie pool holding Mm -hmm. a a baby (laughs) Baby doll. And there's like, this is the video. And it's the Mm -hmm. weirdest song. It's like, why is this a single? But I was obsessed with it. It was like, this is so strange. And I bought Japanese whispers on cassette. video this is again from the interview i did with tim they tim pretended to be wanting to buy a house and he borrowed the keys from a realtor for a house in in the suburbs of london to go look at on his own time like here take the keys check out the house come bring them back and they filmed the entire video overnight in the middle of the night in oh that house God. and then return the keys and apparently now there's a, a sign in front of the house like love cats was filmed here wow what it's a claim to fame wait did realtors in the 80s just give you the keys apparently, for 24 hours it was a simpler their, time yeah just give me them back tomorrow yeah, yeah no apparently problem. that's what he that's what he told me and I like that story. So whether it's a lie or not, I'm just going Proto to go Airbnb. I know. But there were, you know, uh, again, we're talking about artists that were innovative. So the Cures one and the Duran Duran's one. The Fix. 
I don't, you know, again, Angular also, arm they seemed much bigger to me than they probably were in the world. There was they a point like where they were the biggest, like, yeah, they were the biggest rock act. I saw something on TV the other day that was like a roundup of one hit wonders and they were on it. I was like, oh, hold the that phone. Would, that would make me so angry. They were like four hit wonders. It was All Saved right. by Zero, One Thing Leads to Another, um, Red Skies. Secret Separation. Yeah. And there was a um, fifth one. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot They're more. definitely not a one hit really, wonder. It's a kind of an interesting thing when you think of yeah. like bands from that era and like which ones in the long run were sort of considered and still are considered like serious artists. Yeah. And the other ones were just like of the period and kind of kitschy. And it's, I mean, there's not that much difference, but it's like, you take like, you know, Echo and the Bunny Man are sort of like revered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like the fix are sort of like, oh, the fix, 80s, ha, ha, ha. They were but like, they, yeah, it's weird. I mean, they, they just how did, you know, for they me, never that got was respect. all the same. Yeah. They never got respect in the UK and they're from the UK and they right. never had hits there. They were, and they were kind of looked down upon because they had broken in America and it was like, oh, they're they're not they can't be taken seriously. They're this they were considered an AOR act, which is right. really strange. I mean, I don't think Tears for Fears yeah. were ever taken very seriously. I think now they are now. There's yeah. been a little bit more of a sense like, wow, you know, those guys are actually really good. I think the Gary Jules cover of Mad World helped that yeah. a bit because I mean his cover was very different, but it was I think it maybe put a spotlight on how great their songwriting is. I, I remember so talking with Greg Alexander once about he like I think that's his favorite band in the world or one of them cheers for fears he they were how, like, in 1983 just, yeah melodically they were just like light years ahead of everybody the hurting you know i remember how much that was my favorite album of all time at that point the hurting and nobody in my high school really knew who they were or anything and i would just sit there waiting for pale shelter to come on mtv or something and i remember reading a rolling stone review of uh that and I think they gave it like two stars and it was like the worst Joy Division ripoff you're going to hear this year and I'm like oh my wait, god wait, what's going on really yeah oh, oh I remember for Tears for Fears I remember how betrayed I felt when MTV premiered Everybody Wants to Rule the World betrayed betrayed because, because you thought oh my secret little band is now sold out oh, the song is time. horrible I do remember feeling I of course love songs from the big chair now but being a fan of the hurting I do sort of remember feeling like oh they're a pop band now yeah it, it was it was such a heartbreak uh, which is if Mother's Talk which was a single in between those two albums in the UK oh. if that had come first in the US I may have Might been have less the blow. Yeah, exactly <laughs> met less betrayed but it was for me it was more of a change um, when they did Sowing the Seeds of Love and they've got all oh, psychedelic yeah. and it's like yeah, it I actually wasn't on, loaded to me yeah, I, really I wasn't like on board with that the Beatles yeah, I, I liked it ultimately but but it good was video like, though I don't remember the video for it that. was you oh, know yeah, like a kind of a stop motion talking heads and she was oh, yeah, animation yeah, yeah. speaking right. stop motion we gotta talk about again going back to the subject of older artists that really embraced the medium and took it to another level Peter Gabriel oh yeah just like in general, Sledgehammer is still holds the record for the most VMA wins of Shock any video. Shock the Monkey scared me. Shock the oh, Monkey yeah. was cool. Yeah. My friends and like, I used to always do Shock the Monkey. We had this like lamp with an arm and you'd be like, shock them and move the lamp around. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what you're going to say. See, we had like a dental guard and we'd force no. each other's jaws Just open. Like swinging the lamp around. But see, that goes back to the fact that when videos were smaller budget, like just a lamp yeah, swinging you by remember. your face was right, enough. Right, right. But then of course, Peter Gabriel took it with a director who sadly has passed away named Stephen Johnson. He directed the trilogy, which was Sledgehammer, Big Time and Steam. Big Time does not get enough respect. I love that song. It's a great song and video. And a good song to do karaoke too, by the way. Cool. Well, the thing <laughs> is, that's, I think, because that was a little later. I was like 1987. Right. I'm going to say. So that was a time when I, I think the videos, that was a time when uh, people realized that videos had to cost a lot of money or at least look like they cost a lot right. of money and they had to be inventive. Uh, Genesis obviously were, and Phil Collins were doing their own big videos. Land of Confusion with the puppets is one of my oh, favorites. Oh, yes. But there were, um, it was an interesting time. Like, do you feel that when videos sort of went from being like a swinging lamp or a tinfoil covered tripod to being, you know, something that looked like it cost six digits that some of the magic was lost. You lost the charm. I mean, you get to the the Michael Jackson era with the huge budgets and, you know. Oh, well, it was kind of Michael Jackson even more than Duran Duran is the one that did that. Yeah. I mean, Thriller. I mean, I think it's it's analogous to music itself. You know, you, you can make a record that costs millions of dollars. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And you can also make a record that you make by yourself in your bedroom. That's awesome. And it, it doesn't really, you know, the money is not one-to-one relationship point. with, with good. It's just, I mean, there's a vibe or there's not a vibe. I mean, some big budget videos, um, 
were worth it. I would say that yeah. the Sledgehammer video was definitely worth it. I do have to give a shout out to Steve Barron, who I, I, I really go geek out for video director. Steve Barron directed not Beat It, but Billie Jean, right. which was the one of the first black artists uh, to be. It basically broke the color ba- barrier at MTV. One of the first R&B artists yes. was Michael Jackson's Billie Jean. But then get this. In the same year, both dominated the VMAs. In the same year, Steve Barron directed... Take on me, but aha, uh-huh, right? And money for friggin' nothing by Dire Straits in the same year. Eighty-five. Uh, his bank account must have been. Yeah, he was uh, on fire. But he actually <laughs> was pretty. I've written down some stuff about him because I interviewed him about um, specifically about the Billie Jean video. I've also directed him about money for nothing and Dire and uh, Take on Me. But the Billie Jean video was he got hired for that for a couple different reasons. He directed uh, a very early MTV video, Don't You Want Me by Human League. Mm -hmm. And it had this, even though it probably cost a lot less than Michael Jackson's videos, it had this cinematic feel, Mm -hmm. storyline. had a literally cinematic feel. It took place in like a a, editing room. There was a storyline in a movie Mm -hmm. and then a storyline outside the movie. Yeah, a movie within a movie. And then he also directed, so that was what attracted uh, Michael Jackson's attention because he liked Mm -hmm. that video. But then he also directed... Ant music by Adam and the Ants. Do yeah. you remember the light up staying alive oh, Saturday Night Fever floor? Yeah. That is what inspired the light up tiles or, oh, or sidewalk wow. tiles in Billie Jean because Michael Jackson thought that was cool. I remember even at the time and being a kid and watching that Billie Jean, the light up thing, it's thinking like, that looks so cheap, Gordy. <laughs> it was, <laughs> like, and it, it didn't was. look impressive at all. It looked like, oh, come on. Like, okay, let's love it. Every right. time he steps on scratch. It, it actually was cheap. Steve Barron told me that apparently, I don't know why, I don't know if it was a budget thing or just something's not working, but not all of the tiles lit, lit up. Right, oh. right. So afford eight light bulbs. Only some of <laughs> them did, six. so they had to kind of plot, you know, Michael Jackson's oh, like um, track, like only step on these, right? Because the other ones will not light up, and I don't think they lit up like uh, they weren't like touch sensitive, uh, like they had to do it. All you the know? budget went to the tiger. <laughs> right. he, we did talk a bit about the tiger, but um, as we're talking about sort of the transition of MTV from low budget early 80s to big budget, mid to late 80s, there was another transition that happened with MTV, which was the fact that they stopped just showing random videos. The plus side was you no longer had to sit through Big Log waiting for your Dexys Minute Runners video to come on. But the minus side was there was no longer that sort of random surprise. And I know why they did that. It was an advertising thing. You Mm -hmm. know, people started to get shorter attention spans and we couldn't expect that people wouldn't go switch channels when Big Log came on. Right. But the cool thing was there were all these Good shows that started to come up. So I want to know if you want to talk about any of the shows. Obviously, 120 Minutes was big for me. There was Headbangers Ball, Yo! MTV Raps. The Young Ones. Oh, well, that wasn't a video show, but that's my favorite sitcom of all time. Just, they just imported that, they right? They just I mean, imported yeah, it. I, I loved that, too. It, at first, it was uh, this invasion of MTV. How dare you interrupt the music videos for this weird British uh is it a have sitcom? We, what is oh, it? Oh, it's a sitcom. Yeah. Have, but, we, have we got a video? What's, what's the guy's <laughs> name in The Young Ones with the long hair? Neil. 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 Yes. I remember there was one there's one episode where they take his wig off and, and he looks in the camera and he's actually bald. Yeah. And he, he looks right in the camera. And he's like, I didn't know I wore a wig. <laughs> they, al- they always had these. <laughs> Again, it was introducing us to that weird British role because it was very yeah. British humor. It was like, you know, Monty Python S humor, like right. taking breaking the fourth wall. Like sometimes they'd have like a puppet of like a carrot or a rock right. in the corner. And then they would zoom in on that and the puppet would go, don't look the at me. I'm, I'm irrelevant. In fact, just this year I saw just this year I saw it. You were talking about how there was this random guy in like Ultravox videos. Yes, the fifth roommate. There was a fifth roommate on the young ones that no one ever saw that was just like in the background in the shadows. And it's like only now that we're picking up on that. But there were actual shows and they did have musicians on the young ones. They had actually, they had Dexter Manhunters on, The Damned, Madness, um, I'm a Zulu. Right. um, Motorhead. Motorhead, of course. Of course. Classic. But they did have shows on MTV as MTV was sort of transitioning in the late 80s to the 90s that were, they were still music shows yeah. that showed videos and had- Cutting in, Edge. IRS is the Cutting mm-hmm. Edge. I learned about so much stuff. I, I've talk, talked to you before on yeah. uh, our Madonna podcast. That's how I discovered Madonna. Mm-hmm. That's how I discovered Terrence Shent Darby on our goth podcast. We'll talk about that's how I discovered Specimen mm-hmm. and the Batcave. Um, that was a great show. Um, I loved 120 Minutes, of course. The only yeah. thing I didn't like about it was this idea that now that all- 
our, uh, I don't even know if we use the term then, but our quote unquote alternative music. It was new wave and then it was yeah. like. Post-punk, yeah, whatever. Right. Our, our weird music, which had actually been the main programming at MTV in the early days, was now, you saw it on Sunday nights. Now it's ghettoized in this two hour. Yeah, block. And I had to like. I had well, to when VCRs. Did that, mm-hmm. When did 120 Minutes start? Do you know? 86, I think. Sounds about right. Yeah. 86, oh, 87. Yeah, it, was, it was early. Because first there was, uh, they had the VJs hosting it. And one of the most, I have, I have this on VHS. I have yeah. old episodes. Oh, wow. And there's an episode with Alan Hunter hosting 120 Minutes. He was out of his depth. So out of his element. They had and to get uh, Kevin Seal on. Kev- Kevin Seal uh, is equally out of, out of his depth, but didn't give a shit. And that made it great. Right. <laughs> Tell me if I hallucinated this, yes. John, because you are, again, the one, no one tune out for this, but you are the one person <laughs> who might know. Did the lead singer of King, the band Love and Pride song, did he host 120 Minutes for a second? Yes. And okay. he, he became a VJ in MTV UK. Okay. I didn't hallucinate yeah. Paul that. Paul King. Paul yep. King. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Hence the name King, yes. the namesake of the band. Yes. Interesting. I did like that show. I just, you know, I didn't like the fact that now something, the reason I was attracted to MTV was that it played weird shit from yeah. England was now the weird shit from England. You could and only see for two hours a week. Earlier about the shift where I got angry it was like now daytime is taken up with all the heavy rotation big budget Def Leppard Michael Jackson things and the stuff I lived for is now over here on Sunday night but I will say I did enjoy Yom TV raps which I mean rap is now officially the most popular music genre at least in the US Mm -hmm. and there was a time when people thought oh black music doesn't belong on MTV as I mentioned with the Billie Jean scandal Mm -hmm. and you know rap isn't really music and we can just give it one hour a week I've read that when actually it's in the documentary I was mentioning I want my MTV when they debuted Yom TV raps in the middle of the night it was the most successful like premiere and the most highly rated show they ever had and they realized okay we need to get on five freddy was the original original host host, yeah yeah. and then of course um they started going to some other programming but i did love club mtv and the grind because that's actually (laughs) if i'm that's the last time i remember (laughs) eric nice yes or niece don't forget downtown julie brown (laughs) downtown julie brown uh what's you bring you bring her up because that was also the moment when we knew we were losing our innocence of when the original five VJs started falling away. Oh, they're yeah. like, who are these new people? Yeah. It's like, oh, what? Who's this Serena? Chul, what? By the way, this is, this <laughs> wow, is a- that is definitely an <laughs> obscure one. But I did, I mean, you know, MTV in the 90s, to put a bow on this, sort of gets a bad rep. People see when the reality shows like The Real World or when the TV programming came in that wasn't totally music specific that MTV had like lost its charm. Mm-hmm. But there I was, was just going to say, by the way, sorry to interrupt, but I'm on season one of the real world. <gasps> Wait, you, what? Are you, wait, <laughs> I, uh, breaks. Are you right. friends with Andre? I'm friends I, I with Andre. I was friends with Rebecca Blasband, who Becky who was on that season. And, and at the time, was she like the artsy one who wore like the Dixie cups on her boobs when she did a performance art thing? No, I think I, she was the Suzanne Vega one. Of yeah. You, right? Yeah. yeah she was the like singer. Person. Was the same person. You missed that episode. Oh, I guess so. Anyway, she, she, you know, we were friends and um, we were both, living in New York and kind of broke. And like this friend of hers was like, Oh, MTV is doing this show and they're going to pay you like, I don't know, $3,000. You just live in this loft and they film you for a while. And see what happens when people stop getting polite. She had no (laughs) idea what she was getting into, you know? And this is so groundbreaking, Adam, you were on a show that, you know, for better or worse, a lot of people would say worse, kind of changed TV. It was one of the, besides the loud family. I feel like I personally changed TV. (laughs) No, I, I mean, I'm only in it briefly for in a couple of episodes where I'm hanging out with her and there's, because she used to actually, um, Chris Collingwood and I from who was uh, in Fountains of Wayne with me, we, we, we were actually working on a record at that point. It was pre Fountains of Wayne. We had another band and we were in a, <clears throat> in a rented loft in New York and making a record that never came out. But, but Becky used to come hang out with us to escape the real world cameras oh my because God. she started going crazy after a while. And so she yeah. would come hang out at our place. And then they, they filmed us a few times and Chris wouldn't sign the release. I remember she, they came and like hung out with us at some point and he wouldn't sign the thing. So he's not in it. Oh, How man. did I never know this story? That's amazing know, so. trivia right there. <laughs> the, one of the guys in that band rain dance, Andres, the roommate yeah. who, and it's weird because you're right. There were certain people on the show who were like not on it as much because they either had lives outside of the show and, or they escaped more. Becky and Andre were not on the show as much. But Andre had a band called Rain Dance. That's yep. R-E-I-G-N. Of course. Of course. Yes. That I believe, I mean, I'm friends with Andre and my understanding, he doesn't like to really talk about being on the show, was, but it was, you know, 
oh, I have a band. We're going to get on MTV. But one of the guys from that band is now in the Jack White world. He's like in the rock and tours and he, play, he plays oh, with nice. like basically wow. every, he's like the keyboard player in every yeah, Jack White thing. I think all thing. of them had some musical thing mm-hmm. or something that they thought this would help. So like it worked. Heather B. <laughs> Heather B. And, uh, Heather B. And, and, with and the immortal Becky, line when she's walking Rebecca by. Rebecca Blasband made a record with Gordon Gano. Oh, really? After oh, that. Wow. And she got signed. I think it came out on RCA or something. Like she got a, a real record deal. Oh, and Eric Nyes went on to host I The Grind. Uh, Heather B is responsible for one of the catchphrases I still use to this day in 2020. Uh, whenever I'm by a pool, because there's a scene where she's walking by a pool and there's a bunch of kids in the pool and she just looks at the kids and goes, no splashing, shorty. I don't remember <laughs> I that one at all. I still do that to this day. Well, do you think <laughs> Not so? just at pools, yes. just, just you, in general. Right? Do you think though that when that show the real world came out, I believe it was 1991. That was kind of the, uh, that end. was the beginning of the end. The begin- sure. I think it was a very slow yeah. end yeah. because there's a lot of nineties programming that like Beavis. control. I, I love that, remote I mean, control. that started the entire genre of reality television, mm-hmm. right? That was, isn't that generally credited yeah. as the yeah. first one? Have you ever seen the remote control, the episode where the red hot chili peppers are the, the no. entirely do it? Yeah. It starts off with, uh, it was the mother's milk era. It was right. 1990. So it's Chad, John, Flea wow. and Anthony. And they ambush the show at the start. Like it's, they're about to start the show and they come on they're like, we want to be on the show. So they all get in chairs and Flea and Anthony share a chair because there's only three. Right. Chad Smith's in the lead for most of it. He knows a lot of his stuff, but then he starts getting things wrong and he ends up, you know, the chair ends right. up. He's I want to audition to be on remote control. And the main reason I did not audition for it was because I have a fear of heights and I was afraid if I didn't win then the you know murphy bed style chair would go up into the right. wall and i was too scared oh missed but, my chance but uh remote control mm-hmm. colin quinn and adam sandler yeah and dennis leary mm-hmm. all three of them were started yeah. on remote control didn't so, john stewart have a show too john stewart had a show yep it was um, a starter from, you know mike judges you know juggernaut with obviously beavis and Butthead. we all right. love daria and of course there were a lot of iconic things in the 90s happening you know shout out to the state but it wasn't quite the state. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, you know, that's for another show. That's a 90s podcast. Yeah, we'll, see, we'll start that one. But, you know, I don't think I don't think what happened with 80s MTV, particularly the first half of that decade, you know, 81 to 85 mm-hmm. or 86. I don't think that'll will ever say anything like that no, again. No, there was too much freedom. There was no corporate oversight. They weren't beholden but to I, the but labels yet. I still yet. think like kids, they look for a place to congregate, whether it's physical in a record store or whether it's you know, on t- a t- a t- one TV network where you know, ev- part of it is that you know everybody else is into it. And, right. you know, now there's TikTok, TikTok. or, yeah. yeah, whatever it might be. It, it's like this all or nothing game where, you know, if you're 13 years old or something, you just want to know that that's where all your other friends are yeah. hanging out. Well, that's what TRL so, was sort of like, yeah. TRL in the 90s, because it was the beginning of that interactive thing. Did you do TRL? TRL? Uh... For some reason, I imagine you guys uncomfortably uh, positioned on well, TRL. Well, people scare scream, we want to see, <laughs> you know what? Like, we want to see Mexican wine. <laughs> I remember that we did, we did, I don't know if we ever did TRL in, in America. I, I Maybe we did. We did a lot of MTV stuff. We did like Jenny McCarthy show and oh. we did 120 minutes. And we did, But I do remember we were on the the Canadian version of TRL, which on, I guess oh, much, much, much music. music yeah. Yeah. And it was just this really awkward thing where... Um, <laughs> it's like this room full of kids sitting on the floor and the, and we were talking about Stacy's mom and the and the the host was like trying to make jokes like uh did you write it about she she asked me like uh did, did you write it about Chris's mom I said no Chris's mom is dead and then Chris Chris is like she had cancer <laughs> <laughs> just this, like, I'm sorry to laugh. 20 oh seconds of, of dead silence. I, it's like, all right, kids love cancer. Now, being, a, being a person who does stuff on camera and on radio all the time, my immediate empathy goes to her. Like to the VJ, just being oh, like, oh, shit, yeah. what do I do now? But she should have done her research. Yeah, exactly. She should have done her research. Well, we should end this, but I do want to just real quick as a lightning round to end this. What is your most... It's an open-ended question. Iconic MTV memory. Like the thing on MTV. It could be when you all sat down to watch a video premiere of a certain thing. It could be a certain performance, a certain Uh video. God. I'm going to say the top of the hour bumper with the Mm. rocket ship taking off and the... And who did that? That's a good theme song. I also think that Frank Olinsky, who's a graphic designer that... I ended up working with a lot later. I think he did the logo. Yeah, it's in the documentary that they wanted to do different kinds of logos. And that logo, like many brilliant things, came together incredibly fast with just like, you know, almost like 
an afterthought, like, oh, just an M, put the TV on it. Oh, that looks good. I think the magic in that logo, I mean, it's a great logo and the best logos are simple, was the fact that they would do all these different animated treatments of it where it was like yeah. made of skin and getting like shaved yeah, or something. The way, yeah, Frank Olinsky, he did some Ivy album art later in oh, wow. Luna and stuff like that. But that, wow. was his, that was Full his circle. big thing as he did the MTV logo. Okay, so John, Wait. your your most memorable, like seared into your brain forever MTV memory is that opening the bumper. opening, for Which sure. they showed, you know, e- each half hour. Right, and because you also got to see... They what was coming up? Three videos that are coming up. Yeah, in the next that's half why hour. my parents yeah. had to kick me out of the bedroom because they'd be like, "Time for bed. We yeah. want our TV back." And I'd be like, "No." They just back announced that Adam and the Ants, you know, <laughs> exactly. Fred Standard and Deliver is going to be on. So I have to stay it for the genius, next half hour. Genius they marketing. said it's going to be on the next yeah. half hour. It did work actually. I mean, about you, I guess Adam? for me, if I really am honest about it, it's like I I was obsessed with the police for a long time, and at that age. My the big prize for me is if a police video came on. I mean, later, like at, by synchronicity and stuff, they were super mainstream and right. it wasn't as exciting to see. Like, Godly and Cream, uh, by the way. Godly yeah. and Cream. So, but, like the early, but like the earlier, the earlier videos and, you know, like uh, the, the, the Ghost in the Machine era videos mm-hmm. where they're just screwing around and like Montserrat in the yeah. studio and stuff like I love that stuff so much. And they weren't even really videos, you know, I mean, they were just like all the. Up to that point, all their videos were them just dicking around yeah. with a camera somewhere. Like they never had a, a story or anything. And then I think it was like, well, actually, don't stand so close to me. They tried to do a story. It was embarrassing. It's things like taking his shirt off and stuff. But <laughs> but like I, I wanted all- him to be my teacher. I'm just saying. I really I really liked all those ones where they just had no concept and were just dancing around and being goofballs. And it kind of continued a little bit in the interviews when that famous interview with Martha Quinn, where Stuart Copeland says, do you want to sit back and watch me beat Ding's ass and he takes off his lavalier mic and he starts chasing Oh Sting. yeah, yeah. That's Amazing. Right. So I will say I have a tie. I'm cheating, but I'm gonna sure. it was either and we've talked about this on a different podcast, John. It was either the first VMA's opening with Madonna. Right. That's a big one. But actually I think even topping that, Live Aid when they premiered it on or oh, broadcast yeah. on MTV. Yeah. I was uh uh on vacation with my family in Hawaii. There's a common theme here of me staying in a room and watching TV. <laughs> so my sister and I were, you know, we had, we all were in one hotel room. My parents were like, well, time to go to the beach. And we're like, nope, screw that. We're uh, not leaving the hotel room. And my parents were like, we're in Hawaii. We paid money to come to Hawaii. Oh like, why don't God. you want to go to the beach? We're like, Live Aid is on. Thank God our hotel room has cable. We are ordering room service and we're spending the whole day watching Live Aid. And honestly, I've never had a better time in Hawaii before or since. <laughs> Great. Screw the sun. We don't need the sun. We had all, I mean, that was a moment, maybe that was a high point of that era of music. It was almost everybody who was huge and they were all together and all the VJs were there in Philadelphia, in London, Mm -hmm. Live Aid with obviously a queen, but it had, you know, every artist you could imagine. It had Power Station and Duran Duran. It had Madonna, (laughs) it had Madonna singing, people don't remember this, with the Thompson Twins. Revolution. Yes, it had Spandau Ballet. It had, you yeah. know, pretty much everyone. Status quo. It had, Mick, no, that one I forget. <laughs> he might not have really cut to that one uh, from on the MTV US. Uh, I mean, it had like Tina Turner and Mick Jagger and Hall and Oates on yeah. the stage. It was, and you know, we sort of take that for granted now because there are so many like all-star concerts and mm-hmm. things all the time. There are festivals where people get on stage. But back then that was pretty rare. Yeah. And it was all on MTV all day. They preempted all Didn't of their normal. Didn't Phil Collins fly mm-hmm. between the Concord. Concord. Yeah. And that and actually it's almost tied with that for in another way in a three-way tie was the premiere of the Band-Aid video. Yeah. But just the idea that every person you wanted to see was on MTV and this was taking over. I think that was really an MTV high point. And like I said, we've had plenty of all-star concerts since, but I don't think there is stop what you're doing event. No. People stopped what they're doing that day to all have their eyes on MTV. Yep. And that was a moment we'll never get back. I know. Except you can watch it on YouTube. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a fun uh, little vent- venture down uh, memory lane. Thank you so much, Adam, for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for including me. And uh, I, t- I can't compete with you guys on the, on the deep <laughs> trivia front, <laughs> hey, but I did my best. You were on season one of The Real World. Yeah. I think you're fine. I actually yeah, think so you won. <laughs> yeah, you actually won this. You changed television more <laughs> than anything else because you you were on like the first big reality right. show. So you win. Um, that was one of, I can understand. That isn't one of your favorite early MTV memories, like that you were on The Real World. Well, I mean. The police's like <laughs> random 
Some videos beat that? Sting on but a that pile was in of the garbage. 90s. I, I'm trying to keep it to the 80s theme. Like, right, I, wasn't, I wasn't on MTV in the 80s. Fair enough. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Adam and John, for joining me. Tell us your favorite early MTV memories at Totally 80s on Facebook and Instagram or at totally80s.com slash podcast. I'm Lindsay Parker, and I was joined today by the other John Hughes and the one and only Adam Schlesinger. This was Totally 80s, the podcast dedicated to the music of the greatest decade ever. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Totally 80s. And please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Until our next episode, catch you on the flip side. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.